Shane, thank you very much. Thank you. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Enjoy the show. Thanks, Jeremy. Good afternoon on this Thursday afternoon. How are you? Uh, 51551-RAY at RTE.ie. Come in, sit down, have a cup of tea. Uh, I see there that uh, Leo Varadkar has apologised for the inconvenience faced by people who were queuing for hours at the walk-in vaccination centre at University College Dublin this morning, Thursday morning. Uh, he admitted there has been IT and teething problems with the rollout of the COVID-19 booster vaccination programme to date. I, I was running around there this morning, a quarter to eight, and I saw this huge queue snaking around buildings in UCD. There were hundreds of people and I was wondering what was going on. And then I realised there was a vaccination centre there and I thought nobody sent me the memo. I didn't know about it. But as not from today, you know now that the, you can get the booster uh, if you're over 50 uh, and UCD was set up as a walk-in centre. Uh, so there was very little, if any, vaccine hesitancy among the over 50s queuing for their booster vaccine in UCD this morning. The other thing I know about over 50s is they get up early in the morning. They will, you know, seven o'clock alarm call doesn't put them out if it comes to a booster. Um, uh, so th- that was there this morning. Um, again, every day we'll be looking at something, looking back at the year. And today, it is the turn of the most popular Irish tweets. Um, it includes everything from Joe Biden's first tweet after his inauguration to the Garda video of the Jerusalem dance challenge, which was brilliant. Um, our Olympian, Reese McLenaghan, in the gymnastics. Um, but our favourite, and it, it happened back in, I think back in January. Uh, and it was a video from Paul MacDonald, whose father, Vincent, took seven minutes to record a short hello to his son in Australia. Uh, and we had we had Vincent on back in the day because it was so popular and gave us such a laugh. And, and yeah, sure, we might as well. It, it is the time of the year when you don't just hear Christmas hits, you also hear the best hits of what happened during the previous year. And this is one of them. So it's, it's Vincent and he was sat down, you see, and he said, look, just say hello and send a video message to your son in Australia. Uh, and that's, if you're under 25, that's, you know, like going for a walk. But if you're a man of a certain age who's not familiar with uh, what you do on social media, etc., well, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge and you probably get very self-conscious and you probably get a bit nervous and sometimes when you get nervous you might laugh a little bit. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Together, Vincent. Uh, now there is uh, what you'd call a fit of the giggles. They're just telling me there now that um, almost all of those waiting in the queue uh, who spoke to the journal.ie said they'd received a text message from the HSE uh, the night before, that's last night, advising them to attend their nearest walk-in centre if they had not received an appointment from their GP. And you go, when you go on to the HSE, you can't make an appointment for a booster. They have to contact you and they obviously contacted those people. And that's why they all arrived this morning at UCD and, and, and that caused all sorts of chaos there. Um, you would have heard, which is, I don't know if this is going to work or not, uh, but New Zealand, it's big news, has announced it will outlaw smoking for the next generation uh, so that those who are aged 14 and under today will never be legally able to buy tobacco. Um, and on the back of that, we got uh, an email from Bobby Carty in Belmullet in County Mayo. Uh, we talked to Bobby about five years ago. Anyway, in the email, he says, uh, 29th of March 2004 was an important date in terms of public health in this country. It was the day that the workplace ban on smoking came into effect. And of course, that was the work of the Minister for Health at the time. Hall Martin is now the Taoiseach. Uh, we led the world on this issue because politicians were prepared to grasp the nettle and stand up to the tobacco industry in favour of the workers who were being exposed to the cancer-inducing chemicals contained in second hand tobacco smoke. Many other countries took our lead and introduced similar workplace bans. Well done us. In 2011 Australia brought in their Plain Packaging Act and that put strict uh, controls on how tobacco packets can be displayed. It was aimed at toning down the advertising nature of the packaging. The EU has followed suit and there are now strict controls here in Ireland on the display of tobacco products. 
We hear today, says Bobby Carty, that New Zealand have introduced a unique plan to ban under-14s from ever smoking. The minimum age to buy cigarettes would keep rising year on year. Very clever. They hope to have less than 5% smokers by 2025. Now, this is where Bobby gets serious. In 2016, I submitted a citizen's petition to the Oireachtas with a view to creating a tobacco-free generation here in Ireland. It was aimed at protecting from tobacco uh, those who were born in this century. Unfortunately, it didn't find favour with the panel and it was rejected. Maybe there's at least one public-spirited politician out there who can see the merit in the New Zealand initiative and introduce a similar one here to protect the young from the harmful effect of tobacco. And I think Bobby might have been inspired by what they did in Tasmania because back in 2012 Tasmania considered a similar ban to New Zealand's with a proposal to outlaw cigarette sales to anyone born after the year 2000. Um, and uh, seemingly it's it's weighing the parliamentary committee found there was no significant legal impediment but the plan never became law. So that it's been doing the rounds for quite some time but they finally introduced it in New Zealand so I hope it worked out for them. We have, we have a plan to become all but... Uh, tobacco-free by 2025. Um, it was put in place in 2013 and the target is to have less than 5% of the population um, uh, smoking in, in the year 2025. I, I don't think they're on target, but that's something we must come back to and we might talk to uh, Bobby about that in the new year. Um, there's there's always an oddball thing in the, in the papers and this one caught my attention this morning. Um, it was in the Independent, um, uh, sort of originally in the Telegraph, Camels enhanced with Botox, barred from Saudi beauty contest. Dozens of animals disqualified after owners manipulate their looks with hormones, fillers and facelifts. And yes, I, I did think, I looked at, is it April 1st or what's going on here? But it seems, uh, it seems legit. Uh, Saudi authorities have carried out their biggest crackdown on camel beauty contestants, disqualifying more than 40 enhanced camels from the annual pageant, according to the state-run Saudi press agency. The camels disqualified in the competition at the King uh, Abdul Aziz uh, Camel Festival were judged to have received Botox injections and other artificial touch-ups. And you're going, why would you bother? I'll tell you why. The popular festival, which started this month, invites the breeders of the most beautiful camels to compete for about $66 million. $66 million in prize money. So what have they done? Botox, injections, facelifts, other cosmetic alterations to make the camels more attractive are strictly prohibited. Jurors decided the winner based on the shape of the animal's head, neck, hump, stress and, and postures. Um, and they have machinery now to detect collagen implants and all sorts of things and they're getting very strict on it. Uh, so Miss Camel uh, 2021 or 2022 will be a natural looking camel as opposed to one enhanced by cosmetic surgery uh, which probably is not related in any way shape or form but there's fierce excitement in the office today because the new Sex and the City reboot is happening tonight on Sky and there isn't just one two episodes this evening that's the way they're doing it now they're sort of reel you in with two episodes and then they they drop one every week and um, so, given it's a weeknight, uh, we, we looked up a mocktail version of the drink made famous by the show, The Cosmopolitan. And we're going to put that up on our website there. There's no alcohol in it, so you can still get up early tomorrow morning if you want to queue for your booster or whatever you're doing. Uh, ice cubes, cranberry juice, lime juice, orange juice, simple syrup, orange bitters and orange zest. And uh, you just do it the way you do any cocktail, put it all into a into a shaker thing and then do that ridiculous thing that Tom Cruise did in the film. And then you have your thing and uh, no hangover in the morning, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. Um, So far from, uh, I suppose, the ladies in Sex and the City would be the discussion that's happening online about what you call the last bit of bread in a pan loaf. Uh, So, see, we never called it a heel in our house. It was always the crust. And, And there were certain members of the family, the nine children, who preferred the crust and would go digging down through the pan loaf to get the crust at the other end after it had the, the first crust already. Imelda May has been dividing opinions. Yes, she has. Uh, to those who don't know, the end of a loaf of bread is called the heel. You're welcome. Crust is all over. There are only two heels, one either end. And the crappy normal bread is called a sliced pan. I'm on a roll. Well, Imelda, sorry, I'm sorry. But you see, if you admit that the crust is all over, well then on those either end, it's all over as well. So that's a crust. That's, that's more crust than all the other slices. So, is it a heel or is it a crust? Or is it either? 
Let's call the whole the whole thing off. You say tomato, I say tomato. Yeah. Five one five five one Ray at RTE dot IE. Um, please do not play that Jerusalem dance thing. All right. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but <laughs> now that you tell me not to, I might. So there. Uh, a good laugh, Ray. Wonderful. Yeah, Vincent's laugh is just, it's just, there's something, it's contagious. Oh. It's contagious. <laughs> it is contagious, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you about our quiz in a moment. Hello. Yeah, hello, 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 hello. Hello. Five on five five on Ray at RT.ie. Five on five five on Ray at RT.ie. Ray, it's a heel. In all capitals. Woo. Uh, Ray, was that other or other enhancements to the camels you said? Hey, very good. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that video where they were trying to catch the bat, that was also hilarious. Aaron, it was, but I'd say it was about four years ago. Definitely three years ago. That's, that's the way our perception of time has gone wonky with the pandemic. Uh, that was the guy from Bally McGilligot who's gone on to great viral things since. Uh, always called the crust, right? Good man, you up the baubleness there. That's John, who's keeping an eye on the, the bauble count for her Christmas songs. Uh, stop backing the maggot with the bread. It's the heel. And no one in the house allowed to have it from Batch except me da. And especially if it was from a turnover. Oh God, strict rules there on the bread front. Uh, Vincent will be known by another of Moy River Fishermen absolute gent an unreal character if you can get his number give him a call lives in Foxford we did we spoke to him earlier in the year Botox has to be allowed in camels and warthogs and all faces that only a mother could love obviously that's yeah uh, now uh, did I tell them I didn't no uh, Reeling in the Ears is the name of the quiz yes it's theme tune and uh, you know by now we've bits of songs news reports TV shows and movies and we're looking for two people to come on and answer three questions each uh, on the clips they will hear in their ears reeling in the ears uh, if you go for a short clip it's more difficult to get two points a long clip will get you one point and there is a prize for the person who gets the most points uh, this Christmas give the gift of an experience to look forward to with tempting vouchers for luxurious stays and experiences in the award winning Cliff Hotels Restaurants and Spas uh, today you could win a cliff gift of an exceptional countryside break for two people at Cliff at Lyons in Kildare. Enjoy a two-night break away for two people with breakfast on both mornings and dinner on one evening in the Mill Restaurant. It's just uh, half an hour from Dublin, city centre. Uh, the ideal location for a relaxing break away with all the fresh air and canal walks. And you can find out more at cliffhome.ie. Cliffhome.ie. So we're looking for two people to come on after four o'clock, answer three questions on three clips. Uh, But first you have to answer our qualifying question, which is this. Uh, Which country is in the news today after announcing a smoking ban for young people? Uh, Which country is in the news today after announcing a smoking ban for young people? 0818 715 925. 0818 715 925. Uh, 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 And we'll be talking to you after four o'clock. But right now we have to take a quick commercial break. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. There's Eugene from Chalee connecting two of the stories there. Are they camel cigarettes? Hey. And that laugh is making me laugh, says Roisin. How are you, Roisin? And would you believe uh, I have never seen Sex in the City, nor Friends? I don't like American soaps. I don't think you'd like to be called soap, Saina. How are you? Um, did you try the pudding? Uh, I bought the pudding, but I didn't cook the pudding. We were talking to Erica yesterday uh, about this runny white pudding thing. And uh, Jenny, my wife, was listening to it. And she heard one particular thing, which she quoted back to me when I walked into the house last night, was when Erica said, it sort of has a smell to it that sticks to things. And uh, (laughs) so that that sort of ruled it out in our house. I'll have to get a a moment over the weekend when there's nobody else in the house, open up all the windows and try it. Um, I'm sorry, but it's the heel. Me and my 13-year-old son, Matt, have had a heel deal for Batch for the last few years. We both get one from the loaf. Crust deal doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> right. OK. You must have a crust. How about that? Uh, OK. Uh, we have a lovely story now of a beautiful pink piano, a beautiful little girl called Eva, who has uh, cystic fibrosis, and a beautiful lifetime friendship 
um, of Cloda and Rachel. And Cloda and Rachel are on the line. Good afternoon to you both. Hello, Cloda. Hi, Ray. How are you? Good. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Ray. How are you? Thanks Go- for having us on. Yeah. Uh, Cloda, we've spoken to you before. You did indeed. Um, and the reason we spoke to you was because you went off and had a child on your own. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> yes. And um, little baby Frank is not a baby baby anymore. He's just gone 18 months, running around the place and delighted with his life, as am I. And, and how has the whole experience been? Oh, sure, look, it is just about fun in a white-knuckle right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the only way to describe it. Um, I have to say, the joy I've gotten over the last few months of him turning into his own little human self, it was a very proud moment the morning after the toy show when I put it on for a spout, and he burst into his very own spontaneous applause after the opening <laughs> number. I was like, that is <laughs> my <laughs> son. <laughs> <laughs> he has an appreciation of something. Yeah, no, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, um, and Rachel, little Eva is around the same age as Frank. She is. She's just uh, a month younger than him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you were pregnant together. We were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it, it was, go on. It was my second baby, though, so I, it wasn't as exciting for me. So I was kind of leaving all the giving code all the limelight for that pregnancy journey <laughs> at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when did you discover that uh, Eva has cystic fibrosis? Um, she was diagnosed at three weeks uh, through the heel prick test, yeah. um, which is, they do that now um, in the past few years, but they didn't used to uh, catch it on the heel prick test before, which it's quite a traumatic thing to happen, you know, for your baby at three weeks, to be told that your baby has cystic fibrosis at three weeks. But actually, it's a really good thing because they can start to treat it from from very early, which is obviously really good for, for somebody with cystic fibrosis. And the world uh, for people with cystic fibrosis has changed quite considerably in the last 20 years, last 10 years. Yes, it has. Uh, um, and I understand much more about this now, obviously. But, um, I, you know, it's, it's, we feel like it's really unlucky that Eva was born with cystic fibrosis. But also we know that we're so lucky that she was born now. Yeah. Um, and and it's, that's because of the fight of people with cystic fibrosis and their families um, in the years before us, you know, and yeah. they've got the treatment to where it is now. People like Gillian McNulty and Orla Tinsley who've done amazing work for the, the cystic fibrosis community and others. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so whose idea was it then to uh, sell the piano or raffle the piano off to raise funds for cystic fibrosis? So that... Go So that was my idea. Um, I bought I bought this piano like I think four or five years ago now. I love just kind of random hobbies. And one day I was at home and I was looking on Dundee and I saw this battered old piano for a hundred euros. And I had grand plans of buying it and refurbishing it myself. So I got it home, right. took one look at it, and was like, "Oh, that's way too big a job for me." <laughs> and I needed to look absolutely beautiful. So I recruited this amazing finishes company called Burnwood Finishes and they took on board the um, restoration of it and stripped it all back down to its core and all I had to do was pick the very important shade of pink that it was going to become. And they worked on making it beautiful and put me in touch with um, another guy who did the musical restoration of it and, you know, did all the stuff on the inside and replaced um, the covers of the keys and all that kind of stuff. So I got back this beautiful piece of furniture um, that looked amazing in the house I was renting in at the time. And I thought, that's it. I'm finally going to learn how to play Yay! the piano. Yay! Woo! <laughs> so um, I think I had one piano lesson. <laughs> I, um, moved, I moved since then. I've moved house twice. Oh. I've had a baby. My houses are, my house, neither of my houses were as grand as the one I was renting. So the piano has been in storage pretty much for the last four years. And I kind of kept going, what am I going to do with it? I want to sell it. No, it's too beautiful. And I just love it so much. I wanted to, it to bring joy and like do something fabulous with it. So over the summer, um, Rachel and her pals did the mini marathon and raised a huge amount of money for CFI. And I was like, that's it? Perfect. Yeah. So I thought I would do a Christmas raffle um, to raise money for CFI and wouldn't it be a gorgeous Christmas present for someone who either can play the piano or is going to learn how to play the piano or has a house for it to look beautiful in rather than it sitting in storage waiting to be used someday. Um, so it was a beautiful 
moment in time. And that's why I did it after all that. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, so you can take a rest there. So I, I've seen the piano. It, it, it is beautiful. It's probably better than you, I would say. And, and it's yeah. baby pink. It's, uh, it's, a yeah. beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. And um, for anybody who's looking to play the piano or just to have something beautiful in their, in their sitting room. Um, so the idea is to raise €100,000 by selling <laughs> 10,000 raffle tickets over 10 days a 10 euro a ticket. I, I yes. like, you see, but that's good. That, that's good. Yeah. It, it, looked good. it looked good on paper. Yeah. And then we went up yesterday and went, oh, I should probably have knocked a zero off that. That's all that <laughs> to try and raise. But you look, we're in it now. And like, anything can happen over Christmas. It's a magic time. It is a magic time. And it, it does look magical. It does oh, look magical. Beautiful. Yeah, um, so idonate.ie forward slash raffle, win a pink piano raffle for cystic fibrosis. Yeah. I can't imagine there are many pages with similar yeah. wording on or, it. <laughs> or you can actually you can actually just get it from my Instagram page at Clothing. There's a link direct to it, which might be easier to find. Okay, uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's only 10 euro a ticket. Um, yeah. And uh, when did you start it? When did the 10 day countdown start? Yesterday. Yesterday, right. And that was the 8th. So on the 18th, you will close it off, will you? Or... Exactly. So next weekend, we wanted to give people enough time so whoever wins it can get it home to their house or whatever they yes. need to do so they have it in time for Christmas. Yes, and put wrap it in a bow and all that exactly. and have it out in the garden and say, look, I have something outside for you. And that, that's, I'm just going, sorry, it, sounds, it's, it looks like a scene in my head from Love Actually too. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, a few pop stars are famous yes. but then play it for now. yeah and then the person yeah exactly and they play White Christmas on the piano in the, and then all the neighbours gather around then it starts to snow roll credits yeah. <laughs> yay <Perfect. Woo. laughs> yeah well, it's a beautiful thing to do Cloda so oh. I, I did describe your relationship your friendship as a beautiful thing how, how long do you know each other um, Rachel um you know what, I was I was wondering, when did we actually meet? I think we met at Body and Soul through Mutual Friends, Body and Soul Festival, and we liked each other because we were wearing the same dress from Penny. So <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> our friendship. <laughs> Are you Sex and the City fans or, or not? Oh, I can't oh. wait. All right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's big news, is it, yeah? Yeah, big time. Tomorrow <laughs> is going to be an exciting time. I'm out this evening, so I have to hold it off until tomorrow. Uh, what do you think? You know, it's 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 a risk, isn't it? Something that's held in such you know high status among so many people, and they have so many fond memories of it, and then to do a mm. reboot—it's dangerous enough. It is, but I think it's waited enough time that we're ready for it, and I love that the cast are fabulously older and embracing their fabulous life <laughs> in this time of their life. Not like oh the camels. God. Not like the camels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's idonate.ie uh, forward slash raffle. Win a pink piano raffle for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland or Cystic Fibrosis Ireland and uh, it, it, it's a lovely idea and I, I think you're going to hit your target. I just have a good feeling uh, about this. Um, yeah, so uh, they want to sell 10,000 raffle tickets over 10 days at 10 euro each raising 100,000 for CFI which is Cystic Fibrosis Ireland. Uh, lovely Talking to you again, Claudia. Nice to talk to you, Rachel. See you. Yeah, you too. Bye, bye, bye. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Text 51551. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Uh, Yeah, 5151 Now, Dr. David Robert Grimes wrote an article this week uh, with the headline Small Anti Vaccine Cohort Can't Hold Society Hostage. Um, It was written in the Irish Times. Uh, got quite a reaction and uh, Dr. David Robert Grimes joins us in studio. Um, so, will I read just for people who haven't uh, uh, read your article, just some of the key points there, uh, that a small cohort would effectively hold society hostage seems profoundly unfair to many and how this should be tackled is an open question. Um, and you describe the people who haven't been vaccinated uh, functioning as a human petri dish. Um, and then you cite the, the figures, which we're all familiar with now. Uh, since late June, almost 60% of ICU admissions were unvaccinated, contrasted against a population uptake of about 90%. Uh, this suggests that the unvaccinated are about 13 and a half times more likely to end up in ICU relative to the fully immunised. So that gives the gist of your 
of your article. Okay. Now, give us your background first, uh, David, so people know who you are and where you're coming from. Absolutely. So I'm a physicist and cancer researcher and an author. Um, I've done a lot of research on conspiracy, uh, conspiratorial thinking, anti-vaccine sentiment, which, by the way, is not a new thing by any stretch. A lot of us are experiencing it now for the first time. But I have pamphlets from 1772 right. that are anti-vaccine. So just a few years after Jenner had come up with the first immunizations, I wrote a book on why we get things wrong called The Irrational Ape, which is solely why we fall for this propaganda and conspiracy theories. And I think for context, we have to, Ireland has really high vaccine uptake, which is fantastic. And even then, we are being stretched. Across Europe, the picture is a little bit more pessimistic. And this is why this conversation has come up again. About 150 million Europeans, that is people in the European Union, are not yet vaccinated. That's about a third. And this is why the conversation in different countries about introducing restrictions on people that are in a public space and not vaccinated have come back in vogue. Germany have moved that direction. Austria and other countries are discussing it too. In Ireland, we haven't yet gone that direction. We have very high vaccine uptake, which, by the way, is fantastic. It's a really good thing to see. And it's really encouraging. But our ICU capacity is so limited that we are very much always teetering on the edge of a potential collapse, which is one of the reasons that things have been so intense for us in the last yes. year or two. Of course, one of the things that we don't know, and we asked the HSE for this information, is uh, of those people who are in ICU who aren't vaccinated, we don't know what their reasons for not being vaccinated are. Some of those could not be vaccinated for medical reasons and some of them by choice. Oh, absolutely. But there are ways to interrogate that data and to break it down by cohort. And when you when you do that analysis, and I understand why the HSC might be reticent to offer that up, you're always seeing increased risks if you are unvaccinated in any age cohort, in any comorbidity cohort. The, the, the plain data is very clear. Vaccination massively reduces the negative ramifications of COVID. It also, we've always forgotten this, it does reduce infection and transmission too. We always think, oh, it doesn't do it. It, it does. So it's always far more risky to not be vaccinated than vaccinated. But you hit on a very pertinent point there. There's a big difference between people who are hesitant to vaccination. Maybe they've read scary things online and they're not sure what they should do or what they should do for their kids versus those who are vaccine resistant or what we call the classical anti-vaxxer. Now, I, I don't actually love that term because vaccine hesitancy is a spectrum. If you look at the psychology of it, it's all the way from people that fully accept all vaccination to people that reject it adamantly. Um, most of us are in the middle somewhere. And mm. if we hear scary stuff... Well, well, we're, we're, well we're not. We're, most of us, ninety over 90% of us, have got vaccinated. Well, that's true. Yeah. We, we came to a decision. Yes. Uh, the decision is a binary. But right. where we stand on the acceptance okay, of that decision yes, yes, is yes, on a spectrum. Yeah. And obviously, we've had one of the most intense lockdowns in the world. So mm. I think when people said, well, if I get if I get a shot, I can have a pint again, yeah. that's going to be a big motivator for us. And um, not to diminish our, our collective responsibility. But the problem is you can end up with a situation where there's only a very small selection of society who will be absolutely uh, against vaccination on an ideological level. But they've always been with us. They've been with us since, again, the time of, of, of Jenner. Okay. How can we convince them? How can we change their minds? How can we get them to get vaccinated? Oh, or is it uh, an impossible quest. There's, being a bit glib about it, the expression of fool's errand sometimes jumps to mind, but that is not necessarily cause for being downcast. The vast majority of people who do not get or have not got vaccinated yet are just more afraid than they are resistant. Okay, so how do we get them on board? So what has been shown to work is conversation, not debate, but discussion. When you talk about someone's fears and you ask what they're afraid about and they can talk to a trusted expert, whether it's a scientist or a doctor or a nurse or a pharmacist, that has a really positive impact on their intention to vaccinate. What has a really negative impact is exposure to disinformation, anti-vaccine propaganda. That knocks them the other way. And what about things like suggesting uh, mandatory vaccination. Surely that isn't a good thing either, is it? Well, you, you might think that, but it turns out that if you can articulate the reasons why that might be it, and I don't love the term mandatory vaccination, because actually when I, if I drive my car here today, I need to have insurance and a licence because I could kill someone else. It's not just about me. It's not just, oh, my right to drive. There's a responsibility that comes inherent with those rights. Rights and responsibilities are always balanced. There's yeah. no absolute rights. Um, and that's what people sometimes forget with vaccination. While we always see it as an individual boon, which it is, what it's really there for is to protect other people mm. and to protect the health service. For example, I'm 36. If I got COVID, which I may already have had, who knows, I would probably be okay. 
but the 89-year-old in my family might die. Yeah. I might have passed that on. Mm. So it's not just about this kind of libertarian view of it. It's not just an individual decision. So if you have a right, you have an obligation as well. But you also have, not, you have an obligation to the community. So this is the thing I think is, hasn't been communicated well. I you would know, agree, because, yeah. Because people are saying, um, you know, my body, my choice. Uh, it's not as straightforward as that with a vaccine, is it? Well, it really isn't, unfortunately, because I think what we all forget, and I understand why we forget it, because as you said there, it's not always articulated very clearly. Um, the thing about vaccination is, at heart, it is a public health measure. It is a measure taken to reduce the burden on all of the health service, on everyone in society, to collectively make us healthier. That it has massive individual benefits, that's just a bonus. What it's really there for is to protect everyone. And I think sometimes that that gets lost in the sound and fury a little bit. And when you talk to people that are hesitant or wondering, well, why should I get it? I'm not at high risk. And you explain that to them. That often has a really... I spend a lot of my time talking to vaccine hesitant, particularly parents. Um, I worked on the HPV vaccine doing this and and we had a massive problem with that in Ireland as well. So Um, just to remind people about the HPV vaccine, we started at a high rate of over 80%, then it dropped right down to around 50%. And then single-handedly, I think, the late Laura Brennan brought it right back up to 70%, Absolutely amazing. And what Laura always did, Laura was always able to frame things in, in the most incredible way. She obviously the HPV vaccine, by the way, prevents cervical cancer, anal cancer, genital cancers, all sorts. It's about five percent of all cancers are HPV mediated. Um, she used to say something I thought was so, so powerful, and I was very privileged to, to know her. She would say things like, "I am, I am the reality of an unvaccinated girl," right. and the reason that was powerful is because we have a negativity bias. We are exposed to the disinformation. We get scared. We go, "Oh, I might get a vaccine because something bad might happen to us." The reality is that something bad is far, far, far more likely to happen to you if you don't get vaccinated. And framing it in that way is so important. Yeah, but I have to be careful how I say this. But we can't go into ICUs and interview people who are unvaccinated and get them to tell their stories. That's not a thing we can do. Believe it or not, it's happened in the States and it's very powerful. Now, you have to be careful with this because it can be very disturbing. But there have been, there's been particularly some cases in the States where people that fell victim to anti-vaccine disinformation and became hesitant and ended up in ICU spent their dying breaths telling people, please don't make the mistake I did. That messaging is very powerful too. Um, and and that's I, I think this is why sometimes when I it's very easy to lump everything as either pro-vax or anti-vax. Of course, it's not that. Most people that are not vaccinated are just scared or just unsure and need that reassurance. We know from the statistics, stuff like the work from Heidi Larson, that only about five percent of Ireland are vaccine resistant. They just will not get it. And the psychology there is really interesting because it overlaps massively with conspiracy theorists. And that shouldn't surprise us because anti-vaccine activism is a form of conspiratorial thinking because you're rejecting this copious amount of evidence uh, to subscribe to a paranoid narrative. So there's reasons there's overlap there for sure. Uh, You are a scientist. Allegedly. (laughs) And you were drawn to science because for, for certain reasons, because you see the world in a certain way. Yes. Is that fair enough to say? It probably is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering, is it difficult for scientists to understand people who don't think the same way as they do? That they they see the world differently? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think scientists are a broad church. church, For example, I was a musician before I was a scientist, so I came from a a different world altogether. But I, I think... And I, and I write about this particularly in, in, in my book. I'm like, scientific isn't, is, isn't the Promethean fire hidden on top for everyone else. It's something for everyone. Mm. The scientific method and critical thinking and all that stuff is what we can use to make our lives better. There's, there shouldn't be ownership of it. So we can, again, the, the old saying, we're all entitled to our own opinion, but not our own facts. Yes. We can debate how we approach something. We can debate subject like vaccine mandates. Again, I hate that term. Uh, or, or, But we need to have the same facts. And the problem at the moment is that if you go online and you look up uh, what's happening you'll be exposed to massive amounts of disinformation propaganda and it's designed to scare you it is designed to evoke an emotional reaction what motivates these people that is an excellent question. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really trying to understand what motivates them. I, I struggled with this for years and I had to go and talk to a lot of uh, psychologists, belief psychologists, people like Karen Douglas in the, U- in the UK and Stephen Lednanski. And, and you have to delve into what motivates people in general. So 
traits associated with, and I'm talking, by the way, about the hardcore vaccine resistant here. I'm not talking about the casual person who's scared. The ones that create this propaganda, this misinformation in the first place, they usually have very pronounced traits of narcissism. They like the, uh, the there's an egotistic factor with it. They like being seen as a guru. They usually have an anti-authority bias. They uh, will be prone to reject anything they perceive coming from authority, except their own, of course. So you have uh, a, a triad of toxic traits with these people as well you also have low low understanding so there's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect named after two psychologists that found that people that often had the worst understanding of a subject had the most confidence in it and this has been replicated with anti-vaccine activists the ones who think they know most about immunology which by the way is super complicated Um, they when they're tested on it objectively they score the worst but they rate their knowledge the highest Mm. and it's like the dark side of the force it's an easy way to get the appearance of being an expert but really to know nothing to not do the hard work but I I still don't get their motivation. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's very contrarian. I, I, I think it's you know you know there's always a guy in the pub who says no to everything. And yeah. There's a little bit of that. Now bear in mind this cohort is only about five percent of mm. all people, but they're very loud. Five percent disagreeable. But what my 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 problem is their mendacity, their willingness to lie. If they could put their arguments in ways that were very clear, but what they do is they engineer fear, because humans are very perceptive. That if I read something scary um, about the vaccine. Right, I am far more likely you to think of the availability heuristic to keep that in mind, even if it's untrue. It's the same way if someone says something bad about something like a movie or a person, mm. even if it's nonsense, you kind yeah, of remember okay, it. Okay, okay, well, well, let's let's home in on one specific then, big pharma. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, and and coincidentally at the moment it's running on one of the streaming services, uh, Dopesick, which is a dramatization of a real the story, the Sackler story, an oxycontin. And how they marketed uh, an opioid, opiate, opioid, uh, to people for pain, and then they became addicted and uh, resulted in this pandemic or epidemic of yeah. Oh, oh, that's true. true. Oh, that's true. So that was a true story about how big pharma uh, sort of run ramshod over people. And they, and they did. And they yeah. did, yeah. So so there's there's truth in that. So then when people say Big Pharma and you say that's a load of rubbish, they go, well, look what happened in, you know, with, with Sacklers and what was the name of the company? It was Purdue Pharma. Purdue yeah. Pharma, No, yeah. and, and they're, that's actually, so to say that pharma companies are somehow always benign is absolutely untrue. It's the same way that you can have corrupt cops or anything else. Yeah. But there's a few things that have to be kept in mind here. Firstly, vaccines are a great example. They constitute less than 1% of pharmaceutical profits. They actually usually cost them to make. This is why governments often step in. This is where a misunderstanding arises. Governments often have to step in to subsidise or take, you know, any kind of liability with it because otherwise pharma companies, which are motivated by profit, wouldn't do it, right? So they are their businesses, absolutely. But they also so don't unlike, run the research. Just, just, yeah. just to clarify that. So unlike, say, statins, that, that you could get a prescription for a statin at the age of 40 and you might be taking them until... The your rest age. of your life. Yeah, 45 yeah. years. Yeah. So that's a nice little... It's a lovely earner. earner. It's yes. a lovely yeah. earner. Yeah. It's cut to a vaccine, which is one, two, three shots. Fire and, and forget. It. Yes. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not really worth so it's the not economy a scale of doing. It's, it's less than 1% of right. their... Okay. So if they were going to push anything, they'd put, push their, their cholesterol. And they do, by the way. So I, I mean, I spend a lot of my time um, debunking bad research. And that includes stuff that's um, in, in the pharmaceutical sector. But the thing about that is pharma companies are highly regulated by independent scientists, by groups like the FDA or the or over here we have, and they don't always work perfectly, but they are designed to be watchdogs for this. Now there's, I mean, if you get me into my real rant, I'll tell you that we should publicly fund more research. We're relying on pharma so companies to do it. I've been saying that for years. I agree. Like, like, and, pay and, more, but, no, but, but this is, and just to, to go on a little bit of a, a tangent there, because this is the perfect opportunity. We know how it works when it works. That yes, all the yeah. all the countries of the world come together, they fund it, they facilitate it, and we come up with a vaccine in record time. Record time. Why can't Absolutely. we do that for everything? Because there's no markup in it, and that's that's the, so. When people have these conspiracy theories to me about pharma stuff, the first thing I explain to them is actually, if you were, imagine I always take it from the point of view. Let's be devil's advocates. Let's pretend we were going to try and be ma- malicious and make money. Vaccines are the wrong way to do it. Yeah. That's not what you're going to make money on. You're going to make money, and what, one of the ironies I see a lot of it, wealth wellness influencers get on this kind of train when they're selling useless products for huge markups and I, I kind of you had 
the Alex Jones of this world selling yeah, supplements we, and yeah, things. Yeah, we have to be careful well, mentioning people, but right. yeah, yeah. No, but, but but there has been research done on the wellness industry and there are question marks over it. Uh, we're talking to uh, David Robert Grimes, Dr. David Robert Grimes. You're, you're an academic doctor as opposed to a medical doctor. Yes. Uh, we have to take a quick commercial break and we'll talk to David more after this. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Tweet at Radio Ray RTE. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Uh, now, uh, Dr. David uh, Robert Grimes is with us. Uh, what was the reaction uh, to your article um, on Tuesday, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Um, I, I Whenever I write about vaccination, which I've been writing about for several years and researching for several years uh, academically, I, I tend to mute my uh, mentions on social media because it's always a cesspit. Um, you get a lot of, and I mean, there was a lot of aggressive responses. There was a lot of threats. There was a lot of, yeah, th- threats are very common. Uh, this, by the way, is not unique to me. This is what happens generally when anyone writes about vaccination in a positive sense. And it, I've, I've witnessed it before. So I'm well, I've been to this rodeo before. Um, there was also obviously people that go, yeah, this is a very good argument or I see that point. But it's always, you know, drowned out by the sheer amount of vitriol online, yeah. which is, you know, probably deliberate. And they were asking you about your connection to... Um, I have it. <laughs> they were asking you about your connection to big pharma as well. Oh, they, 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 they've, they've always asked me that. I've never had any big pharma funding in, in my career. In fact, I'm mainly a mathematical modeler and, and policy person. I, I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, they will always try to, to bend things to make it look that way. But that's because they're trying to fit it into a conspiratorial narrative. The, you shouldn't have to have an ulterior motive to point out that a life-saving intervention is good. I don't think the average person needs an ulterior motive to do so. Mm. But in the narratives that these people construct, yes, you need to be a villain. So So you you called it a fool's errand trying to change the minds of these people. So why bother trying? You see, I don't write for them. And this is, I've always said this, I don't write for people that already agree with me because what's the point? Most of the time when I do any kind of positive outreach, it's talking to people that are hesitant Right. People that are reticent, but people have real questions. They've read something scary. They don't know what to do. They're trying to balance the risks and benefits. That conversation, which is usually a conversation over a coffee, five minutes, um, is a lot more impactful than me shouting on, on social media with people that will never, ever agree with me and just want to be heard and want their, their, their voluminous outpourings to be okay. acknowledged. What would you like to see? Uh, because in various countries, I see now in Singapore... Um, they're saying that they're going to stop fully covering COVID-19 medical bills for the unvaccinated. Yeah, uh, see, the thing is, I mean, I I guess it's hard for me to answer that one because I do have an ethical point of view where I think everyone should be entitled to healthcare, no matter how self-inflicted their injury is. But I totally understand budgets are finite. So I'm not I'll just give you another few just while you're thinking, getting your thoughts together. Yeah. Uh, in January, Greece will make COVID vaccines mandatory for everyone over 60. Uh, under a new system, people who break the rules will be fined €100 Euro for each month they remain unvaccinated. Um, then in New York City, from the 27th of December, all private sector workers will have to be vaccinated. Canada um, started putting unvaccinated federal employees on unpaid leave. Uh, COVID vaccines have been required for all 338 Canadian MPs since 22nd of November. And anyone travelling by plane, train or ship has also to prove uh, vaccine status. In Fiji, no jab, no job. So you can't work uh, in either the private or public sector without uh, a vaccination. And teachers in New Zealand have been subjected to mandatory vaccines since October. There's just an example of, of what they're doing around the world. Yeah, and France have had no jab, no pay. Australia have had for, right. for, for, for child okay. benefits. I think it's like this. I think the whole narrative that, that always confounds me is a huge chunk of the world cannot get vaccines, right? And here we are presenting a privilege as a problem. That 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 boggles my mind sometimes because people, oh, well, I have to get this. Well, I have to get insurance to drive my car, you know, because mm. again, to cover other people's liabilities. Um, and it, it is a very, so it's a very they, privileged position so for you, us to even be able to reject okay, vaccination. Let's let's not use the, the M word then. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask it this way. Do you think that people should be sanctioned for not getting vaccinated? I don't. So, so the, the, I'd frame it slightly differently. Okay. So I'd be very careful. You know, like yourself, I don't want to step into many minefields here. But here's the thing: if if you are putting other people at risk, I don't think it's 
it's irrational for them to ask you not to do so. I think people have a right, of course, we have a right to bodily integrity, but this is not violating that. In fact, it's been ruled all several times in different courts, including the US Supreme Court, that this is not an imposition on liberty. Mandates have existed before in the past. As you mentioned some there that have been brought in now. They've, 1812 was the first I can think of. Um, it, again, this is. A, I would prefer not to have to use that tool. I would prefer that we can convince people that why this is beneficial, why we are also privileged to be able to get this. Mm. That would be an ultimate win. But if there's a hardcore minority that will not hear it or don't want to do it or don't care enough about their fellow person to do it, if that tool has to be used, I'm saying that it should be on the table. I just prefer it not to have to be used. We we, we, said, we told the uh, Irish Council for Civil Liberties that you're coming on. They read your article and they just gave us a statement. Um, ICCL is a pro-science, pro-vaccine organisation. This is just the, the, the headlines from it. People are unvaccinated for many reasons, some by choice, others not. All of them have been left out in the cold by the vaccine pass system. The stories that come to us, particularly from those who would like to get a vaccine but can't, would break your heart. Uh, the ICCL has opposed and will continue to oppose the vaccine pass system on the grounds that it interferes with the rights to privacy, to equality of treatment, particularly for those who cannot get a vaccine for medical reasons and the right to bodily integrity. That's what they say there. And let's see what they're saying on text. Uh, Wanting everyone to do the same thing is bad science, says that person. Um, You can't go to work unless you're vaccinated. That'll do it, says somebody else. Uh, While I'm vaccinated, I'm now doubtful over these boosters and your guest's opinion. Whether you're vaccinated or not, you can still give COVID to the 89-year-old granny. Or am I wrong in that? That's the anti-vax argument. Now, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, so we're not going to cope with that. Uh, um, uh, What about people who can't, for medical reasons, take the vaccine? He makes it sound simple. It's not. Well, we mentioned them at the beginning of the interview. How are they supposed to get on insurance or car? Well, of course, there would be anything that you would suggest or they're suggesting in other countries. There are medical exemptions. Uh, My kid's dad is extremely anti-COVID vax. He refuses to get it and is starting to influence our 11-year-old daughter. I'm lost as to no... Uh, to make them see sense as he's extremely stubborn. Wish he was listening to this. So that's a a recommendation that what you're saying is worth hearing. Uh, Asked Dr Grimes about the reaction in the letters page of the Irish Times to his recent article. They pointed out inconsistencies in his viewpoint. And one person mentioned the Irish Constitution and said you should stick to the science because law wasn't your specialist topic. Something to that effect. Well, that's a good thing I wasn't uh, telling people how to do laws then. I noticed the Irish Council of Civil Liberties there said stories they'd tell would break your heart. Do you know what breaks my heart? I've watched people who are intubated die. That I've, I've talked to people, friends of mine who are frontline healthcare workers who have watched people die needlessly. If you're more heartbroken about someone having a minor imposition than someone dying an avoidable death, I think your priorities are all screwed up. Now, the other thing I will say as well to some of that, there are exemptions. We're not, this is not a unilateral. No. Re, there are, if you can't get vaccinated, you're not going to be discriminated against. You get a medical exemption. If you make up a medical exemption, which, by the way, a lot of them are trying to do. We've had major problems, people like writing in, in, in different places going, oh, well, I don't have to get it because I'm medically exempt. OK, well, we'll get a doctor's note. Well, they won't, if they don't produce it, that's not the same as someone who can't get vaccinated. It's a disingenuous argument and I won't have any truck with it. OK, uh, Dr. David Robert Grimes, uh, just mentioned your book for people who want to read it, The Irrational Ape, Why We Fall for disinformation, conspiracy theory and propaganda. Thanks so much for coming in today, David. Anish Toshin now in the brief skeleton in Oaktala, Eileen Ni Cahan. Gurramakud, Eileen, thank you very much. 51551 I see there was an offer by Russian authorities to anti-vaxxers to visit ICUs uh, and see what they're like. There you go. See Those sort of things. It's telling stories that works better than, you know, telling people what to do. Um, personal stories have proved over the last 10 years in loads of different campaigns to be most effective uh, because people are hearing people like them tell true stories and that's what works as opposed to somebody in a suit and tie or whatever telling them you have to do this or else you have to do this or else um, a lot of us react very poorly to that sort of thing uh, now reeling in the ears yes reeling in the ears let's press that button there you go uh, we've got to get our bits of songs, TV shows, movies, news reports, and we have two people lined up to answer three questions each on clips that they hear in their ears. Reeling in the ears. You get two points for a short clip because it's more difficult, one point for a long clip. And there is a prize. Yes, there is. Um, you can win one of our contestants today a cliff gift of an exceptional countryside break for two people at Cliff at Lions in Kildare. Uh, it's a two-night break for two people 
dinner on one evening in the Mill restaurant and it's just a half hour from Dublin. Uh, it's the ideal location with loads of fresh country air and canal walks. Cliffhome.ie uh, for more information and you can also see their full range of stylish, thoughtful gifts and vouchers. Hello, Katrina. Hello, Ray. Katrina McAvoy is in Wicklow and she's from Dublin. And what part, what part of Wicklow are you in, Katrina? Um, I'm deep in Wicklow Mountains. I'm in Green Anne, which is in the Glenmalure Valley. Right. It it just it even sounds beautiful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> is yeah, it? it's beautiful. We're very lucky. Have yeah. you got Have you got a view? Um, I have some mountains out behind me. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I can't really see them. They're they're covered in a in a rain rainy cloud today. And, and did Barra affect you at all? Because there, there was some pictures from Wicklow of fallen trees. Um, I was tucked up in the house, but it was wild here, and more so yesterday than the previous day. Right. And I yeah. hear a little person behind you. Yeah, that's Dara. Hello, Dara. Can you hear Ray? Hi, Dara. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what age is Dara? He can hear you. Yeah. He's just one. Oh. He's just gone one. Oh, yeah. that, that's that's very exciting, isn't it? So, it is very exciting. So he doesn't... Uh, I, uh, I was just going to say to you, Dara, you don't know the world in normal times. <laughs> No, yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He thinks everyone except Mummy and Daddy wear a mask. <laughs> right. Uh, are you still on time off with um, Dara? I'm on time off, yeah. yeah. Great, great. Um, and it's, you know, like that's, I suppose, if there are any positives from the lockdown pandemic, it, it allows people to spend more time with their family in a, in a lot of yeah. cases, yeah. Yeah, we've been, we have been very lucky. I've had a lovely time with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he doesn't know about the man in red. He doesn't know much about him, but I'd say his parents will be sending the letter anyway. Yes, well, he has been a very good boy, so um, he is going to ask for something. Right. And he's going to bring him a tent. A tent, right. Okay. A tent, yeah. Right. Whether he likes it or not, whether he wants it or not. Okay. You're up against Elaine Foxton in Ferns in County Wexford. How are you doing, Elaine? Hello, how are you? Good, good. And yourself? I'm well, thank you. Very well. Yeah. Uh, and you're cooking away there. I'm playing a blinder. I'm multitasking here today. I've made uh, a lovely dish for the dinner and I'm also in the middle of making some lemon curd. Nice. And um, I'll probably have to make some brown bread later on. Wow. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. <laughs> yeah, I know. And what did you make for the dinner, Elaine? It was... Um, a Bangladesh chicken rezalaza, I think it was called. Wow, now, so, that sounds so, I know, so it? posh that you can't even pronounce it. I love, I love I those dishes. I love those dishes. I don't, I don't know what to think. It's uh, out of a Sunday newspaper. It's a Paul Flynn recipe. And right. I've done it a couple of times and it's absolutely gorgeous. You have to send it up to us, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, and, and is that made and eaten or made and ready to go later on? Oh, made and ready to go later on. Ah, yes. And yeah, we'll, no. we'll improve the time, of course. And we'll, I'll have to make, uh, cook the rice and yeah. um, I'll do a few veg on the side as well. Right, OK. Sounds delicious. Uh, who's at home? Just myself and my husband, Roy. Roy. Right. Roy. You, yeah. you don't meet many Roys, do you? No. It's an unusual name. It is an unusual name. Yeah. And the name Foxton is an unusual name as well. He, there was a time when all, if you looked at the old um, telephone directory yeah. and you saw a line, list of Foxons, they were all related. Uh-huh. But now the family is enlarged and spread on that one. He sounds... Four cousins and four cousins and fifth cousins. Your husband sounds like he should be a Hollywood movie star, Roy Foxton. <laughs> Yeah, it would, Roy Foxton. Yeah, he sounds like... Yeah. Um, okay, he sounds like a man on mission. Now, uh, your mission today is to answer as many questions correctly as possible. You get two points for a correct answer because it's uh, for a short clip and then you get one point for a longer clip because that's a little bit easier. Okay, good luck to you both. Here we go. Right, uh, Katrina in Wicklow. The year is 1996, which is what? 21 years ago. Um... And we're on the telly. So do you want to go for a long clip or a short clip? Um, I'll go short, please, right? You go short, okay. This Irish soap was first broadcast in November of 1996. Can you name it? And here is your short clip for two points. I'm a gear at the sack of horse this shit. Yeah, I'm ok. I'm going to say Ross Naroon. You're right. You're right, yeah. Um, 26 seasons, I think, they're on now. Um, and you get two points. Well done. 
Cohorticus. Uh, now, Eileen, still in 1996, we're moving over to the big screen, we're in the movies. So do you oh want a, a big clip or a, a short clip or a long clip? I'll go long clip. You go I wouldn't long. have known, okay. known Rotten Rowan. Would you not? All right. No. Well, you, might, you might know mm-hmm. this one. Okay, you're going for a long clip. Uh, can you name this biopic of a famous Irish historical figure? Have you got that? A biopic of a famous Irish historical figure. And here's your long yeah. clip for one point. He's leaving me, Mick. Yeah, I thought he was leaving me. I'll uh, shut up the two of you. Leaving no one. Is it true, Mick, all the women in America wear trousers? Absolutely. Shameless hussies, the lot of them. <laughs> He's leaving me, Mick. What's the movie? Is it the Michael Collins movie? It is Michael Collins, yes. Played by Liam Neeson. Yeah. Uh, and in that clip you heard the voices of Julia Roberts and Aidan Quinn as Dev. So you get one yeah. point for that. Okay, uh, Katrina, back Thank to you. you. Uh, still in 1996, second question's on music. We're in the charts. Do you want a short clip or a long clip? Oh, I think I'll go short again. I'll gamble on short. You're going to gamble on short. Okay, this was the top-selling single in the UK in 1996. Can you name the song or the group? And here's your short clip for two points. That's um, Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. It is. Another two points. Now, uh, no. I, Elaine, that puts you under a bit of pressure there, Elaine. No. Be- yeah, you, no, right. yeah, yeah. You sort of have, you don't have to, but... Yeah. You, you, I know, she's, that lady is a lot younger than I am, but she's more... Um, in I, tune if you got, got 1966-76 <laughs> well we'll have to go back to the 70s I think you're right Elaine I think we will have to go back to the 70s but for the moment we're in 1996 and we're in the charts um, so do you want to go oh god I'll have to go short you have to go short for two points okay this was a number one in March of 1996 uh, can you give us the name of the song or the group again and here's your short clip for two points I can nearly sing it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yay! I'm delighted for you. <laughs> Just because you, you, you didn't think you were going to get it. So I'm delighted Where for you. Where yes. did that come from? I don't know. The recesses of your brain, but it was there and it's right. And you get two points and Don't Look Back in Anger was the song. So yeah. uh, you're on three now, Elaine. Katrina, you're on four. So yeah. here's, here's the maths on it. If you go for a long one and you get it right, you're on five. Elaine can still catch you there. If she goes for a short one, it gets two. If you, however, choose to go short and get it correct, then Elaine can't catch you. So that's the way it goes. What do you want to do? Um, I'll go long. You go long. All right. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Ooh, give me a chance. Okay. Uh, for one point then. Which former player became manager of the Republic of Ireland soccer team in February of 1996? And this is your long clip for one point. I thought I was invincible when I was 21, 22. I never thought I was going to stop playing, to be honest. Later on in your career, then you start thinking of coaching and management. I think you, you don't think you're going to be given a, an international manager's post. Who's that? Um, Mick McCarthy. It is Mick McCarthy for one point. Now you're kicking yourself. You should have went for two, says you. But anyway, you're, you're on five. See? Elaine, you're on three. Um, so I'll have to go short you do you do that's it you do have to go short <laughs> you do have, you have no choice no. <laughs> ok for two points here it is um, on a rainy day in Dublin airport who did President Mary Robinson welcome home after the Olympic Games in Atlanta in August of 1996 and here's your short clip for two points to make it a tie welcome home thank, thank you very, very much you. thank you very much and you could, you could almost have won swimming dogs <laughs> Uh, would that be Michelle Smith? It will be Michelle Smith for two points, yes. Wow. Now look where we are. Now look where we are. Um, this is it. This is it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay, so we have a, we have a, a tie-break question which we asked uh, both Katrina and Elaine before they went on air and I will read it now for you at home. Uh, New Zealand is in the news today with their plans to become smoke-free. According to Google, what's the population of New Zealand? And whoever gets closest to the correct answer is today's winner and they get the prize. So, Katrina, what do you think? Um, I think I guessed a little bit more than us and went 8 million. You said it, you did, you said 8 million. And, yeah. and your guess, Elaine? Was 5 million. 5 million, yeah. Now, we're always compared to New Zealand because of the size of the country and the population. Um, 
So that's not good news for you, Katrina, because the correct oh, no. answer is four million four million eight hundred and seventy eight thousand two hundred ninety two. Oh, well done, Lane. There you go. Oh. Well, Thank you very much. Well, well done. Sorry about that now. Uh, no, if, not at all. If it's any consolation to you, Katrina, from a, a neutral's point of view, that was a very exciting quiz. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that is small consolation to you. And, and by way of more consolation, we're going to send you out two Radar Show mugs. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Ray. Listen, lovely talking to you and Dara. See you, Katrina. Bye. Thanks, bye, 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 bye. Uh, Elaine Foxen and Ferns, yourself and Roy uh, are on their way to uh, Cliff at Lyons in County Kildare for a lovely two-night break. And you can find out what's in store for you at cliffhome.ie. Cliffhome.ie. Oh, that'll be absolutely lovely. I, I know the place. It's absolutely gorgeous place. Fabulous. Enjoy it and enjoy the dinner as well. See you, Elaine. Bye. Bye. Thank bye. You, bye. Thank bye. You. bye. 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 See, I got that wrong. Uh, Aidan Quinn played Harry Boland, not Dev. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for setting us right on that. Uh, but they got it right anyway, if you know what I mean, on the quiz. Yeah. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Email Ray at RTE.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Now we're going live to Glasgow in a few minutes to talk to Eddie Reader. But first, a song. From Eddie Reader. Eddie Reader is in Glasgow. She was stuck in traffic. She's making her way to a studio. And while she's doing that, I can tell you that she's coming to Ireland. I think it's her annual tour of Ireland, or maybe her, uh, she does it every second year. Anyway, uh, starting on the 10th of February, she's in the Town Hall in Galway, then Lime Tree in Limerick, uh, The Everyman in Cork, Vicar Street on the 14th of February, Valentine's Night, Letter Kenny on Green On, then Belfast, Ulster Hall, National Opera House in. Wexford on the 18th of February then Tralee in the Shimsha Tira um, Watergate Theatre in Kilkenny on the 24th the Marketplace Theatre on the 25th and then to Drada to finish it up the Crescent Concert Hall in Drada on the 26th of February and she is celebrating it's hard to believe 40 years live that's the theme of our <laughs> tour the question is is she live with us now from Glasgow no not just yet, not just yet. Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you about our big Christmas thank you. We're starting it on Monday and it's an opportunity opportunity for you to say thank you to somebody in your life. We, we've been doing it for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Uh, so the idea is that you nominate somebody. It could be a friend, uh, a relation, a neighbour, a work colleague and you tell us why you want to say a very big and very public thank you to them this Christmas. Uh, so give us as much information as you can and send it off to thank you at rte.ie. That's thank you at rte.ie. Then every day next week, what we do is we get one of the people who've sent us an email on the line. We say hello to them. We don't give out their name because we're going to surprise the person they're talking about. Uh, and then with a, you know, with a bit of help from the people, we will arrange that the person's at the other end of a phone. We'll ring them and I'll say, hello, this is Red Arcee from RT Radio 1. Don't say anything rude because you're on the air. And they go, oh no, oh what? And then we'll introduce them to the person who they know well, be it their sister, their brother, their mother, their father, their work colleague or whatever. And we tell them what's going on. We read them the email um, and then we have a little chat. And then uh, our good friends in super value uh, want to share in the magic this Christmas. So they've given us a pot of cash so we can buy bespoke presents for the people in our big Christmas thank you all next week. Um, and Eddie Reader. Hi. Hey. Can you hear me? Can, Sorry, yes. the traffic's mad in Glasgow. Glasgow. That's how you say it. Listen, this is how Joe Biden says it. Are you listening? Glasgow. <laughs> Glasgow. Glasgow. It's good to speak to you, Eddie Reader in Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah. So, it's lovely to speak to you, Ray. So native Glaswegians would say? Glasgow. Glasgow. And where did Glasgow? No, Glasgow. 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 And if you're Gaelic, it would be glass shoe or something. <laughs> right. Well, well, thanks so much for coming in and, and just relax there and breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and do all the things. That you, because we're, we're fast running out of time and I want you to sing for us. Oh, I've give, oh yeah. yeah I've, given I've them got the, Ian Carr with me and we're doing these Christmas shows for Phil Cunningham. So I just wanted to give you a flavour of what we've been coming up with like last night. And we thought we'll play this for Ray because we want this to be a Christmas song, really. It isn't a Christmas song, but we, we kind of invent Christmas songs out oh, of old brilliant. songs. Now, you before know? you do but, that, um, can I tell yeah. you, Eddie, that we've uh, announced your tour here and given them all the dates because oh, we had time. You knew 
knew that. That's why you, you pretend to be stuck in traffic. So we've done all that in detail. <laughs> uh, and I've also told them that you're, it's, it's 40 years live, which is hard to believe that you've been doing it for 40 years. Yeah, longer than that in, in real years. I mean, in human years, it's 40, but it's probably millenniums. But I think um, I'm including the busking years, Ray. That's why. It's, a, it's not the times I was on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been, you've been performing for people. Uh, for 40 yeah. years which is which is amazing uh, uh, somebody's been on I was looking up to see Eddie uh, in February 2020 in Armagh what a great concert her song Dragonfly which you just played uh, was a favourite of my mother's to play to my daughter when she was small thanks Eddie Aww. for that that lovely and we got, to, we got to play dra- Dragonflies as well so it's, it's all working out it's all working out now ha- can you hear yourself because it, it sounds to me like you're a little bit close to the microphone you might am want I, to yeah, you, am I can you hear me um, can you hear my ukulele? I can, Ian, can you play clearly. some guitar? Yes. Can yes. you hear Ian? You need to get him up. He's pull that over there. I'm being bossy. <laughs> Ian Carr this. has been in my house for three weeks. Uh, I mean, a week now. It feels like no. It's great. <laughs> He's just we just make up songs all the time. Oh, I love so this. this. I love is, this. We made this up yesterday. Right. And, and it's it, for you. Okay. For your Christmas coming. Brilliant. Eddie Reader <laughs> right. and Ian. Uh, Eddie's on ukulele. Ian's on guitar. And this is their Christmas song for us on RT Radio One. When you're ready. It's, yeah. Here's Rudolph would say this. Fly, let's fly away If you could use Some new jocks or shoes Santa is on his way He'll bring you something Good for Christmas Day Come fly with me He'll climb down your chimney flue (laughs) In Lapland gathered all the gifts the elves have made for you come fly with me we'll take off in the blue once i get you up there where the air is rarefied we'll just glide starry-eyed once i get us up there They'll be following my nose You will hear angels cheer Cause we're together Weather-wise It's such a snow-white lovely day Get the gravy stirred Don't burn your birds Leave us carrots on a tray We made this song for RTE and Ray. (laughs) Come fly with me. (laughs) I'm coming to Ireland on February. Let's fly away. And we put a bit of bluebell polka in there. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was lovely. Bespoke. Ah, bespoke. bespoke. Yes, Christmas song, which I'll bring home with me now and play it. I'm feeling lonely. I'll do it right next time. When I come in, I'll do it right. It might sound a bit odd in February, but but thank you anyway. Uh, Yeah, and somebody said uh, something to look forward to in the new year. Um, and there's lovely Aye. Mary Hopkins feel off that lovely song says James and Offaly oh that's nice isn't wonderful. it wonderful she's yes. my yeah. favourite singer is she well you should have heard her you know the album Paul McCartney um, produced oh right. it's fantastic it's got great Welsh songs in it real Celtic connections I wish you'd do Celtic connections in Glasgow that's coming up soon as well so we're all excited about that we've got Dervish coming over I think and all sorts of uh, Kate Rusby and Ian's going to be here and John McCusker and we all get to jam together for the whole month of January Yeah you have the life um, did, I, did I talk to you before about Billy Connolly did you, did you hang out with him or did, did you ever sing with him or well, he was slightly older, oh, but um, yes, of course certainly he is, yes. um, 
Yeah, he was from the same area as me, the Anderson shipyards, and he did babysit for my uncle Donnie's baby, oh, that, Kevin. That's good enough for me. I remember that's good that. For me. Right, okay. <laughs> well, listen, when you're over in February and you are from the 10th to the 26th in all venues all over the country, come in and do something live for us. We'd love to see you. For the moment, happy Lovely. happy Christmas, Eddie Reader and Ian. Thank you very much. Uh, that's it. Bye now. Bye bye bye. Uh, that's it from us. Uh, Sarah and Cormac are on the way with Drive Time. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday evening. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.